0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Wanna know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous! Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
1: Too long and I didn't
0: watch. No time to take it from.
2: Hi, I'm Alan Seppenwall. I'm the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone, which is a fancy way of saying that I watch TV for a living. But there are so many TV shows being made now that even I can't watch all the ones I want to. But what if you didn't have to binge an entire series? What if you just looked at the very first episode of a show you'd never seen, and then the very last? Would you feel like you'd gotten the complete experience, or would you be completely lost at the end? Well, there's only one way to find out. Welcome to a new episode of Too Long, Didn't Watch. Now, ordinarily, we have one fantastic guest on to try a show they've never seen before, but today we've got something special. We have two for the price of one. They're the co-authors of the New York Times bestseller, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told, co-hosts of the podcast In Bed with Nick and Megan, and in every possible way, the first couple of prime time. You might know her best as Karen Walker from Will and & Grace, and you might know him best as Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, but together they are Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman. Thank you so much for coming on, guys.
3: Thanks, Ellen. Thank Thanks for, for having, having us. us. It's so fun.
2: What have you guys been watching since this quarantine started?
3: Oh, gosh. We're like midway into about five different shows right now, but one show that we really... Attacked wholeheartedly was this reality show called Alone. We watched six seasons of it.
2: (laughs) Six seasons, wow. that
3: it's was really like good. the first thing we did that was our quarantine like okay well if they can do that then we can do this because it's kind of like naked and afraid except they're not naked and they're alone <laughs> so we powered through that like there was no tomorrow yeah, it
1: was it was quite enjoyable i mean we found a show <laughs> where people were even more, uh, even <laughs>
3: more <laughs> cut off
1: <laughs> cut off and, and like really losing their shit
3: yeah and we're like well
1: we can go down and get something out of the fridge and We can also hug each other, so this isn't so bad.
2: My wife and I, there's a few shows we watch together, including both of yours, but mostly the stuff I like is not something that she wants to watch and vice versa. Do you guys share similar taste in TV or not?
1: I guess our TV watching time is uh, so valuable that it's extremely rare anymore that we watch anything without one another.
3: Mhm. I mean, well now it's not quite as valuable as it was a couple <laughs> yeah. of months ago. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little cheaper now. Um, but yeah, we seem to really love all the same shows and sort of not love the same shows, which is good, I think. Nick calls me the entertainment director of the household because like I'm looking at my TV list right now. Like every time I hear that something's good or I read about it, I put it on my list. It's a little crazy.
2: Has there been like a show where one of you strongly liked it and one of you strongly disliked it? Something that springs to
1: mind is like Game of of thrones partly for me i want to wait until the books fade in my memory because if i watch the show right away i think it'll it'll suffer because the book's always better than the movie but especially if i wait let the books fade so that i'm not nitpicking oh i can't believe they changed that or oh my god or, you know where is rid of tarth didn't have a belt you know or whatever <laughs> um and so uh, there's only little nerdy things like that, but I'd rather hang out with Megan and watch something we both like. So like in the case of, of Watchmen, we just let it go.
3: And I feel like we might go back and watch Watchmen because we keep hearing how amazing it is and it gets incredible. And the we love the leftovers in a way that could only be described as obsessive. So I just yeah. feel like we'll probably watch it eventually.
2: Uh, I've got a Leftovers poster just to my left on my office wall. And
3: Amazing.
2: I, I can say if you stick with it, Watchmen will give you some of the same feelings after oh, good, a while. good, good,
3: okay, good. Okay, great. Trust your judgment
2: completely. All right, so what show are we here to watch today, guys?
3: My So-Called Life.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> From 1994, it turns out.
2: 1994. Was there a reason either of you didn't watch the show either back then or in the years since then? I, I
3: think I watched it a little bit, but I was in New York doing a, a show at that time. And so I feel like I just, you know, never saw primetime television because I was on... Sp- stage or something
1: i was in chicago uh i didn't have a television i missed shows like friends uh and seinfeld i I didn't see those shows like I, i was so buried in the theater scene 24 7. i was just
2: such a obsessed theater freak so before you got the invitation to do this what did you know about it what did you think it was about
1: I guess as an actor, you always kind of have an awareness of what's going on uh, in the business, as it were. And I knew in my head, I knew to associate it with 30-something. It had like a cult or underground love that it was considered like a cutting edge, fresh, cool, new... Kind of TV show when it yeah. hit the airwaves.
3: And I knew it was about a teenage girl. We have a friend who I think discovered her. How old was she when she did this show?
2: Claire Danes when she shot the pilot that we're about to watch she was 13 years old holy oh
3: sh- wow okay yes. so that, that must have been what Linda said that's amazing
2: alright so here's what I can tell you before we watch uh, My Called Life it ran for a mere 19 episodes on ABC in 1994 and 95 uh, it's on the short list of the best one season TV shows ever made and is so far by far the shortest show we've done on this podcast uh, it's a teen drama it was created by Winnie Holtzman and produced indeed by the 30 something guys Marshall Herskowitz and Ed wick it was a show at least a few years ahead of its time uh, but one that kicked off the acting careers of a lot of gifted young performers including a future emmy winner and a future oscar winner so you guys ready to go back to the days of flannel and grunge to see what all the fuss was about can't wait by god okay. let's do it there's something different
3: <laughs> i would never dye my hair red it's not red <laughs> it's crimson glow oh
1: <laughs> well, I could see it now. The original Social insouciant world, parent. <laughs> Axel Rose.
3: My dad thinks every person in the world is having more fun than him.
1: Can't believe she's Which 13. Be
3: I can't oh, believe oh, and because she's so known now good. For her
1: composure I mean, yeah. and like, yeah. stuff, like being such a badass yeah. adult.
3: I just like how he's always leaning against stuff.
1: I think is that's it okay if I love
3: bit. Jordan Catalano? Well, some I'd
1: some love crazy about Jordan Catalano. The yeah. way he leans on shit. <laughs> 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 well,
3: you have to come to Tino's tomorrow night. And Once you
1: see Jared Leto,
3: he
1: just ha- he has the undeniable bone structure uh, It's in a, crazy in a that line that's Jared of heartthrobs. Yeah. Like, it's Rob Lowe remade. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's, there he is.
3: yeah. For her being 13, I don't know how old they're supposed to be in the show, but they really do a lot of stuff that I didn't do when I was 13. Oh, totally.
1: They're pounding, like, some sort of heavy brown liquor in this parking lot.
3: Yeah. You are so beautiful. It hurts to look at you. I thought that was sort of a common expression, but maybe it was coined on my so-called life <laughs> on the pilot oh. of my so-called life oh, what, what it it's really kind of like crazy that. really it's crazy oh, that she even got oh, cast oh, because oh, i don't think people really that wasn't what was expected
1: yeah it speaks very well of the of the creators
3: well now it's sort of the new wave of actors
1: somebody looked at this and said man we, fell we get her way. next to mandy patinkin really tired. <laughs> We can. <we'll- laughs>
2: back a up pretty the money penny. truck
3: to
1: the bank.
2: That was my so-called life. Um, first of all, in a larger sense, what'd you guys think?
3: Well, I mean, it was pretty groundbreaking for its time. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's a one season show and yet people still refer to it. So yeah. it definitely made an impression. I'm wondering why it was only one season. I'm sure you know. And just the way it shot, the lighting, the sort of muted, like, kind of earth tone, pastel like all those colors are so interesting. There wasn't anything like it, I don't think.
1: I feel like because I had a big gap in my own cultural education, I didn't see much TV at all, kind of until I met Megan and was like, oh, I got to check out this Will and Grace. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: and that's, I mean, that's actually not an exaggeration. Yeah, I, did, he'd never I didn't have seen a TV. It. If I had seen this, you know, as a high schooler, I think it would have been forward thinking, you know, very woke in my small town household. So I appreciate that, even though, you know, looking back from this point of view, It's like, oh, man, this is really clunky in a lot of ways.
2: Definitely. All right. So now for the benefit of the people who did not just spend 45 minutes watching the My So-Called Life pilot, how would you sum up what happened? What went down there?
3: What's the recap? She lives, you know, obviously at home with her parents and her – what does she have?
2: Her little sister.
3: Oh, yeah, her little sister. And she's – rebellious she's uh, she, she's
1: kind n- of newly rebellious like she's coming yeah. out of a, a shell she's um, dyed
3: her hair kind of red red but it's like an auburn it actually looks fantastic crimson doesn't look weird uh, at all yeah (laughs) you know her parents are kind of freaked out and they don't know what to make of it and then she's sort of lying about saying she's going to go um spend the night with a friend but she's actually going out to party with a bunch of friends
1: we're seeing this uh this lovely teen like pubescent caterpillar trying to become a butterfly she's Um, got a
3: huge crush on this cute guy who's Completely out of her league, or so she thinks, named Jordan Catalano. And,
1: and apparently just a, a, a stone cold idiot. <laughs> um,
3: he really, uh yeah, it's such a funny character. But yeah, like she's navigating, lost in his own deep thoughts. She's
1: time. navigating her sexuality, and that like that brings into question uh, old friendships and new relationships. Sort of butting heads. It's the story of a young girl finding herself.
3: Yeah, and her the girl who was her best friend probably from childhood up until recently. When they
1: were squares.
3: Yeah, it, it, she's now kind of let her fall by the wayside in favor of a cooler, wilder girl, and the poor girl who got dumped is perplexed and hurt.
2: We've run through, we've got Angela, the main character, we've got her mom and dad, uh, Patty and Graham, little sister Danielle, Jordan Catalano. Who's- and,
3: her, and her boyfriend with the curly hair, Brian.
2: Yeah, Brian Krakow, who uh, lives next door across the street. Yes, aspiring
3: Um, boyfriend, but she doesn't want him.
2: (laughs) Sharon Chersky, the ex-best friend. Rayanne Graff, the new best friend. uh, And Ricky Vasquez.
3: Oh, yeah, Ricky. He's the bisexual friend from her school that she hangs out with, along with her wild girlfriend. Ricky seems um, really cool, though. Like, I don't know, even Rayanne, they don't seem horrible. It's not like she's not a mean girl or anything. She's just wild, right? Yeah. And Ricky seems cute and
2: uh. <laughs> And Ricky was definitely kind of a character way ahead of his time in in 1994 to to have like a, a queer kid in a high school show and hanging out in the girl's room with it, with his female friends. That was something you just did not expect to see on any form of television then.
3: I was so surprised because we started Will and Grace in 1998 and the popular you know school of thought was that those were the first gay characters on television since Billy Crystal and Soap, not true. Yeah.
2: Now, did you find yourselves like empathizing with Angela or did you find her sort of an exasperating teenager saying a lot of dumb things?
3: No, I like her. I mean,
1: yeah, I
2: part of her.
3: it is just because Claire Danes is so good in it. You know, yeah. you can't not like her.
1: Anything that might be annoying about her, I also am guilty of. Like, I absolutely was the <laughs> teenager that would show up with dyed hair or whatever <laughs> and, and be like, what's up, you guys? This, You know, this is the new cool me. <laughs>
3: He still does that
2: because um, I remember I tried showing this to my own teenage daughter uh, a few months back, and we got to the Anne Frank scene where she says that Anne Frank was lucky because she got to be locked in an attic with the boy mm. she liked for, for months. Yeah, that And my daughter's kind like, "All right, rough. so we're supposed to hate her, right?" Yeah, you know?
3: that that whole um, line of reasoning is is rough. Um, and also, there's some crazy stuff. Like toward the beginning, she's talking; she's doing a voiceover about her mom, and she says. A I you know I can't really look at her without fantasizing about stabbing her repeatedly and I was like oh god no <laughs> no 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 nope. thank you
2: Well I imagine you know I remember looking this up a while ago there were basically two actors who read for the part Claire Dance was one she was 13 Alicia Silverstone was I believe 16 and they decided ultimately she was a little bit too glamorous to play the character. Mm. Yeah. that's um, yeah. good thinking. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. And and people would because that was after she It was right before she did Clueless. But after
2: I think the Aerosmith videos.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. People might have associations or something. It's cool that it was somebody unknown.
2: Um, so Like, you were saying when we were watching one of those scenes, like, you can't imagine being able to do that at 13. Were either of you even acting at that age, like, in in school productions or anything?
3: No, I had done one musical in Summerstock when I was 12. I'd played Sprinza in Fiddler on the Roof. (laughs) (laughs) She's one of the two daughters that no one's ever heard of. There are five. You you always think there are three, but nope, there's Sprinza and Bielka. (laughs)
2: Yeah, they get to go to America with, with Tevye and his Yes,
3: life. we're going on a train and a boat. That was one of my lines. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of my career at that point.
1: Your question brings to mind when I did the movie Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, which is this great independent film. These three, like, 19-year-olds at the time yeah. that were so good. I'd be staring at them slack jawed when and suddenly it'll be like, oh, shit, sorry, it's my line. That's sort of my answer to the question is I, I think I was into my mid 20s before I really got a handle on that kind of naturalism. And and I so I I have a lifelong vendetta against those three teenagers.
2: Angela's sort of balancing a lot of different complicated relationships. She's fighting with her parents. She has largely abandoned Sharon, her old friend, to hang out with Ann and Ricky. She's got this crush on Jordan Catalano, and she's also trying to avoid the crush that Brian obviously has on her. Wh- which of those different sort of relationships did you find the most compelling?
1: The one I always find the least compelling is the trope of the lovelorn.
3: The heartbreaker
1: crush on the the foxiest member of the opposite <laughs> sex you know the um romantically leaning jordan catalano
3: yeah just because you kind of know that Eventually, he's going to come around. Right. I mean, traditionally, that's what happens.
1: Or uh, is it some kind of wonderful where you sort of see past eventually in, in this version, she'd see past Jordan Catalano to Brian Krakow and say, oh, my God, you were, I love you. You were there right in front of me the whole time.
3: I thought the girlfriend thing was interesting just because Rayanne doesn't seem overtly horrible. Or, or does she? Or did I miss something?
1: No, she seems she's, troubled. Like, she's... Yeah drink she's the one who like gets into it with that guy yeah is pounding like hard liquor pressure which, which, by the way, let me pause for one second. This is what I have to bring to the table. Rayanne, when they're in the parking lot of the club, and she's got some bottle of, like, slow gin or something, and <laughs> she and Claire Danes both take a hit on it. In the case of the teenagers on this show, they clearly are not realistically drinking. They're just, like,
3: oh, sl- I didn't know slamming <laughs> the bottle. And so
1: this is just a general announcement to actors, and, mm. and that is have liquid in your cup, Take the time to consume it, believably.
3: Mm -hmm. I think we have another announcement to actors, though, which is when it's an eating scene... (laughs) You got to eat. You, you can't eat. just push yeah. it around on the plate. It doesn't matter if you're talking with your mouthful. People do that in real life. We've
1: noticed this a couple times, Very like in the last week, and uh, it came back up for me this morning. We were both in our bathroom. We each have our own sink because we're hot shots. Oh, the teeth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're And we're brushing our teeth. We're literally this morning brushing our teeth, having a conversation. And twice recently, there have been scenes between couples the brushing thing. their teeth.
3: Dry tooth. Toothbrush. That's With the new no thing.
1: toothpaste, yeah. they're just showing a toothbrush. They're like, yeah. I've got my toothbrush. And they're the-
3: holding it, but they're not <laughs> brushing their teeth, and there's no toothpaste. So that's yeah. another thing that yeah. can't happen again.
1: Yeah, keep it real. Yeah, we have to keep each other
3: yeah. held. Keep, keep them honest. <laughs> to a higher standard. Right.
2: <laughs> so where would you guess the story of My so Called Life goes from here between now and the finale we're about to watch? Oh,
3: my gosh. I think she's definitely um, made a lot of headway with Jordan Catalano. I think that maybe she's really questioning whether or not... Um, Rayanne was the perfect choice and maybe um, the first friend, uh, Sharon, might have been the best one all along. And I think that something happened and maybe, like, Brian is starting to look a little better to her, the, the friend from her, you know, neighborhood with the curly hair. I just
1: remembered something, though, um, th- th- that we just saw a glimpse of at the end of the pilot.
0: Which and that, is? That
1: is when she was coming home uh, after the cop drops her off, she sees her dad with some other woman. Oh, He
3: right. had said he was
1: going to be out. Ooh, like,
3: divorce or separation, think, or I does think, she is she faced with the choice of having to like tell what on him dad or something?
1: Hooks up with Ricky because remember mm. he was like. He's bisexual? What? No. He wears eyeliner?
3: He's not (laughs) hooking up with Ricky. That's like way too much for, I don't think. I mean, that's way too much for 1994. So maybe something's happening with their marriage? Like maybe she's put in a weird position where she knows something that her mom doesn't know?
2: Yeah, she... Yeah. 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 And, and that scene where she catches Graham talking to the other woman when they play Everybody Hurts, like that was a big deal in 1994 to play that REM track right then.
1: That song kicks in, you're like, oh shit,
2: they yeah. got
1: REM money.
2: Well, this was the broadcast networks in the 90s, you know, when every, like, th- this was a show that failed in 19 episodes, and I'm sure every one of its ratings, like, dwarfed anything that Parks and Rec did on its best day. Oh, hell God, yeah. God, it's
3: so crazy. So do you have any idea why it didn't continue on?
2: Well, there's a couple things. One, there was some sense that Claire Danes kind of wanted to do some other things. Executives at ABC just kind of didn't know mm. what to do with it. It aired on Thursdays, opposite, you know, Friends, and the audience was primarily teenage girls, which was not a demo that necessarily a big three broadcast network was chasing back then and it took a couple of years for like the wb to start doing things like buffy and dawson's creek and felicity that are basically modeling themselves very largely on what this show did
3: oh interesting (laughs) well now alan's gonna have to pay if you go beyond two bars
2: all right (laughs) i didn't We're we're at fair use so far i think (laughs) so before we get to the finale uh in an alternate universe where where either of you could have your pick of any character on the show you're at any age whatever it needs to be in order to play it who would each of you like to play
3: oh i would definitely want to play angela not because it's the lead but just because the character is so interesting and she gets to wear cool clothes
1: i guess i'd play the mom
3: Oh my it's, god! It's kind—it's
1: of, kind of Slim Pickens, uh, Jordan Catalano. I know
3: you would play Ricky, the bisexual well, where, eyeliner wearing. That's kid. where we're what gonna land even, on. Yeah, like what are you even trying to?
2: Yeah, Ricky. All right, and can e- can you <laughs> think of a character that either of your co-stars from past shows would be really good playing?
3: Hmm. Uh, well, Eric McCormack would have been good as Graham. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, he would. Um,
1: I would. I would laugh so hard to see Adam Scott as Jordan Catalano. (laughs) See Adam Scott leaning against his locker.
3: <laughs> oh. oh my god, that's so funny. That's and so bag. true. His, like <laughs> the indie movies that he used to do, like I used yep. to always tease him when he said, like, he got a, a new job. I was like, Oh, are you gonna fuck a girl up against a wall in this one? Because he's always <laughs> fucking somebody up against a wall. That was like his signature.
2: <laughs> oh my god,
3: yeah, it's true. Um. Go back
0: and watch.
2: Okay, so now it is time. We've seen the first episode. We're going to jump not too far in the calendar, but we're going to go 18 episodes forward to watch the finale. You guys ready? Okay.
3: Mm Mhm. Oh, cute. So the bisexual guy now apparently is going (laughs) to maybe like a girl. I did Mm -hmm. not. All right. Well, it's 1994.
0: You gave me your number. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and he's bisexual.
0: Okay, she got it from Howard Pickett
3: at the last reunion. Oh, no, Ew. because I Mom's a, really landing <laughs> <laying laughs> on thick with okay. somebody over the I phone, too. like in a flirting. I think it's flirty. the same.
1: I think it's Tony Keller, who she had a dream about.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh God, don't
1: sneak up. I created my own prison, and I have to exist in it. Yeah. stuck the landing.
3: Yeah, he did a great job, it and is. it's all because of Brian, what the said. man behind that bright, yeah. A.K.A. AKA
1: Roxanne.
2: Yeah. I love
1: Roxanne. I have a
3: yeah, yeah. Talk. That's
1: great. I feel, ba- I feel bad because I said he was so oh, stupid, but the, they revealed here the that he has a learning disability. The end of the Uh-oh.
3: You can't? I forgot.
1: I, I, uh, I'm late for homeroom.
3: You know, like, uh, oh no, he's gonna try to, to Well a, a he said he was fine, but maybe he just said that because he couldn't say he was gay? Maybe is it must that, be but now he's gonna I, I really try to, to go. have a girlfriend, which is sort okay, of crazy. Okay. This is a yeah, crazy um, plot line. You're it's you're deep. Gay, right? Yeah. He's gay, gay, he just said it. Oh. That happened you to me no in college. Honored. If I were attracted to girls.
1: Oh nice going, Ricky. But the thing you didn't realize is you're wrong. You always wear this much makeup? Come on in, Jordan. Do you want a sandwich? Like, I'm so sure you would
3: say that to Uh, somebody's mom. Do you always wear this much makeup?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or cracked a second half gallon.
0: Maybe
1: you can write a letter, but can you lean?
3: (laughs) Maybe that's why this show didn't get picked up.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's Ooh, it.
3: good one. So that was really good. I mean, I feel like they, there was, the pilot was mm, tonally just a little different because I think they were trying to probably be a little more, con- even though it was unconventional, they were trying to be a little more conventional just so they could like get picked up. And then I feel like by the finale, there was a lot more kind of honesty and really unusual subject matter and things being addressed that you hadn't seen.
2: Yeah. All right, so what happened in the finale for those who did not just watch it with us?
3: Okay. Mm, Wow. All right. Um,
2: Well, apparently
1: uh, over the season, her friendship has been torn asunder not only with Angela, but with Ricky as well. Also, Angela seems to have had some advancement in her relationship with Jordan Catalano. And then he messed up.
3: Both of those things are things I p- I accurately predicted.
1: Totally. You know what you're doing. And you probably correctly called it that maybe they're related to one another, that they got in trouble with Angela together through some sort of misbehavior.
3: That Jordan and Ryan might have like had a thing while he was supposed to be dating Angela. That's
1: right? th- yeah. that's a good guess, I think. So, you know, she, she seems much more self-possessed. She is not like flitting from friendship to friendship.
3: Well, it's interesting because she's not, she's only a few months older than when they shot the pilot, but she seems much older and she was only 13, so it's again, she's a really good actress.
2: She actually is much older. They filmed the pilot off-cycle, and so it aired the next year, so by the time of the finale, she's 15.
3: Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, well that explains the kissing. So we thought that uh, Tom Irwin might have been having an affair with somebody and he's a chef and he has a Restaurant and he's trying to get backers, and so he has to kind of compromise himself slightly and cook a dinner for these, you know, rich people. And meanwhile, his partner and in he, the he restaurant is lamb chops. a very attractive <laughs> woman, and um, Hallie. And it seems very platonic. M- meanwhile, um, the mother, Patty, Angela's mother, Patty. Uh, is she's had a dream about her high school boyfriend like the one that got away kind of thing and she's like all crushed out over this guy and she even goes so far as to tell her two young daughters that she's still got the hots for this guy and shows them his yearbook photo so he's supposed to come over one night to see her about some like supposed like business thing and then conveniently her husband and both daughters are not home so she's all excited and she's gotten all dolled And um, at the last minute, he doesn't show cut to the triumphant dinner that Graham has cooked for the backers. That's all gone great. The restaurant's going to happen. They're all excited and congratulating each other. And they throw their arms around each other. And it looks like they're going to start making out. But at the last second, he is like, oh, I got to go home. And he pulls away. And it seems like maybe um, he's going to have integrity.
1: Which is nice. I'm going to hazard a guess that... Because of the conversation after the Tony guy doesn't show up, she is surprised at the door by Jordan Catalano who she serves from between three and four gallons of milk uh, one glass at a time (laughs) while having a conversation. She sort of, I think, helps encourage him about...
3: Yeah, but we skipped that whole plot line, so we needed to recap that. So meanwhile, uh, Jordan Catalano has apparently been in some kind of you know romantic relationship with Angela. She's gotten her wish and then he's done her wrong somehow and we're kind of assuming, we're guessing that he maybe fooled her with Rayanne. Angela seems bitter. Rayanne seems like guilty and sorry and weird. Jordan Catalano tries to talk to Angela, but he can't, you know, she's like a stone wall. So he is being tutored by sweet Brian, the (laughs) lovelorn, curly-haired friend of Angela's. And so, even though Brian is madly in love with Angela, he tells Jordan what to say to get Angela to forgive him. And she is like, oh, that's... And she, she starts to break down a little bit but oh
1: you've said the right things
3: yeah so then that's not quite enough like she's not like back in for sure yet so um you know the idea of jordan writing her a letter comes up but of course jordan isn't equipped to do that because he's not he's shy and awkward of course this cool guy is really just very vulnerable deep down yeah Oh, Jordan has a learning disability. Oh, okay. I missed that when you said that.
1: He said that early. He oh, said that to... Oh, a...
3: okay. So he doesn't... Know, he couldn't write a letter, right? Yeah.
1: It was part of why he was getting tutoring, because he was like a rudimentary reader with some sort of, like, disability.
3: Oh, okay. He said, so, there's a term for me. But meanwhile, Brian ends up writing the letter for him, and it's gorgeous and beautiful, and she's completely, like, swept away by it, and then Brian's devastated because now she's back together with Jordan, and he, Brian loves her, too, and... He's the one who's responsible for this. So everybody's in a pickle. And it's just like, um, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac or the movie Roxanne, which is what Nick said. It's exactly that same plot line. So then Ricky inadvertently kind of blurts out that Brian wrote the letter. And she's suddenly seeing Brian in a very new light. And he's looking a little bit better than he did. Before she found out he wrote the letter. So now she's torn between two lovers, and there's Brian and there's Jordan, and that's the end of the pilot. But, Nick, you need to talk about the Ricky storyline because that's really amazing.
1: The Ricky storyline is great. We know from the pilot that he tells people that he's bi, and like much is made of that in Angela's household. Um, He's bi, what? You know, by the finale, there's the. Cute character Delia, who apparently showed up over the season, and she enthusiastically and very cutely wants to befriend Ricky. She wants to get involved, and that kind of comes to a head. He's very flattered by her attentions, and he tells in his friendship with Brian Krakow, he says, "This is kind of thrilling and terrifying because this might be my chance to be straight if this works." Which is kind of mm. a kind of like, I'm whoa, so sad. what? That's a crazy thing to say. I thought you were bi. Mm. That's the resolution Mm. is when he asks her out and he's like, hey, we should go out sometime. And she says, uh, you know, that would be great. You're gay, right? Suddenly it's on the table and he says, yeah, I just usually don't say it like that. uh, I've never said it before. So it turns out he was gay all along. He wasn't bi, but he was trying to... Trying to soften to fit the in. blow of society mm-hmm. it's a Not wonderfully brave moment and generous on her part to say well I have a huge crush on you I think you're an amazing person I think you're a great dancer it's a wonderfully charismatic rendering of those two characters in sort of the the depths of red states and conservative households it's a very gentle way of saying look these really likable uh, human beings they can like people of the same sex and still be really great people
2: so hearing you guys talk as we were watching the finale, you both seem more enthusiastic about the show this time than when you watched the pilot. Is that fair to say?
3: Yeah. Even all the acting just in general seemed a lot better. I think everybody took a a cue from Claire Danes.
1: That's how it goes 99% of the time where the The pilot has a clunky feeling to it, whether it's a good pilot or a lousy pilot. It's, you know, a a baby bird coming out of its shell and, and like stretching its wings and finding its feet. I was definitely drawn in by the drama of where things had landed with the characters.
2: Now, not having seen any of the episodes in between and not knowing exactly what went down with different people, like did you find yourselves rooting for Angela to wind up? with Jordan Catalano, or with Brian under the circumstance?
3: Well, I think it's good because you kind of like both of them. I mean, that's what's good about the Jordan Catalano characters. Obviously, you're supposed to be rooting for Brian, but Jordan Catalano has become now very earnest and sympathetic. So I think that's better if it's not a clear choice.
1: Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't know which way to vote based on the finale. I mean, it's funny, I was a football player in high school i think i had elements of both characters jordan and brian krakow um although i wasn't as smart as him but i you
3: really looked exactly like jared leto
1: i wouldn't go that far but um I um like like if he worked out a little bit.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If he was a little more buff.
1: Jared Leto with better abs. Yeah.
3: (laughs) With if you if he'd had slightly higher cheekbones.
1: But I mean, like most people, I think you know we're trained to root for the Krakow in that circumstance. You know the, you you don't want the fake in Cyrano to to get the girl. You you want Cyrano. You want the originator of the the language and the sentiment. Yeah,
3: it definitely seems like ultimately she would have been with Brian, but I like the fact that it's more ambiguous. Yeah, I
1: agree. I like that they didn't make him a doofus that you're like, oh, he's he's making a legitimate play for it as well.
2: And, like, because the show ends here, you know, I mean, she gets in the car with Jordan, that's the end. There is no more My So-Called Life. How do you feel about that as a closing note for that story?
3: Oh, that's terrible. I mean, I definitely would have watched a season two of that. I mean, that's such a great ending and it was done, it was done very well. Yeah. Um, I, I It's too bad. I mean, oh. the, the parents' storyline wrapped up, Ricky's storyline wrapped up, Raya looks like ultimately she's going to get back into the group or she's going to get back into Angela's good graces because now she's got Sharon to like
1: run interference for a couple.
3: Oh my gosh. And (laughs) this is all just what you would like. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and then, you know, the good, the, the storyline that's left undone the cliffhanger is Angela, which is, is great.
2: Now, you both seem really taken with the Ricky story as I was just watching it again. Like, after Claire Dane's performance, I think the th- the biggest legacy of the show is what the writers and Wilson Cruz did with that character. Yeah. Um, for, like, 1994-95, Wilson was out, Ricky comes out at the end, he says, I'm gay, which I'm not sure... Those specific words had been said before by a character, at least mm. in a long time on TV.
3: Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, he might have been the first to say that. Um, and, he's and, so good too. the The actor they cast is so good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and, and,
3: touching and to,
1: and to do that with uh, with such a young, you know, sort of fragile. Mm-hmm character like you know a child a high school kid Yeah. Um, oh, yeah is, is really right. gutsy
3: yes that's good that would have been good for our parents and a lot of people it would have been great for them to see that
2: yeah. one of the things we always like to do on the podcast is to try to fill in some of the blanks in between uh, in an unusual way which is I'm going to ask you some multiple choice questions about events from the episodes you have not seen and you're going to try to have to guess <laughs> what it is that <clears throat> the answer is okay you ready? okay yeah. Okay, so the first one is a big one. You've made some guesses. Let's see if you're right. Why exactly is Angela mad at both Jordan Catalano and Rayanne in the finale? Is it A, they made fun of her behind her back, B, they cheated off her on a test, or C, they slept together? C. C. Let's see clip number one. Find out if you're right.
0: You would not believe the number Sharon Trisky just pulled on me. Uh, like what? Oh, like how Rayanne supposedly did Uh -uh. it. With Jordan mm, Ricky knows Brian
1: the, the truth. Rick Ricky always knows like, all Poor the Ricky. dirt. He does. I mean, I honestly believe she
3: was oh,
1: past all she was over her jealousy. The truth teller.
3: Ricky. All
1: right, one for one.
2: I will say, in fairness to Jordan, it's still a terrible thing he does. He and Angela, in sort of very mid-90s network TV fashion, were on a break at the time. In the finale, Jordan says his band has a new name, which I believe was Residue. Mm -hmm. What was the band's previous name? Was it A, Frozen Embryos, B, Sperm Donors with a Z, or C, Pizza Party?
3: Frozen (sighs) Embryos. Frozen
2: Embryos. You are correct. It's Frozen Embryos. Two for two. (laughs) Future (laughs) rock star Jared Leto.
3: Come on. It's pretty irresistible. I mean, you know. I think all of our pulses just raced a little bit.
2: Yeah. How can Brian Krakow compete with that? I don't know. No, it just doesn't it seem fair to me. No. All right. Speaking of music, in the Christmas episode, Ricky is kicked out of his house, and he winds up uh, befriending a homeless woman who may be his guardian angel. She is played by which '90s rock musician? A. Alanis Morissette. B. Courtney Love. Or C. Juliana Hatfield. I'm gonna go. I'm
3: going with Hatfield. I'm going
2: whole. Courtney Love. All right, let's find out which of you is right.
3: Yeah, it's, I think that's Julian Hatfield. Make it, make yeah. Because she was so indie, grunge, and also easier to get.
2: <laughs> so Megan is three for three. Nick, you're only two for three. Welcome to my life. All right, I got two more. <laughs> How does Delia's crush on Ricky first manifest itself? A, he helps her pick up her books in the hallway. B, he helps her uh, cut loose at a school dance. Or C, he stands up to bullies in the bleachers at a school football game.
3: He helps her cut loose at a school dance because she said something about, I love what a great dancer you are.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with Megan.
2: All right, let's look at clip four. (laughs)
3: Looks
1: like a school (laughs) dance. It is. Oh, my God. Wow. This is so my part.
3: (laughs) It really is. I God, lo- you were born to play I rock Ricky. a vest
2: like nobody's business.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, so finally, all right, the, Nick, your only chance to catch up, you got to give a different answer than her on, on the last question. Oh, boy. All right, in the Halloween episode, which character dresses up as Angela for their costume? A, Sharon, B, Angela's little sister, Danielle, C, Ricky, or D, Jordan Catalano? Oof.
3: Um, her little sister, I think. All
1: right. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ricky.
2: All right, we've got a photo. Let's take a look. Oh, Danielle, uh, little sister Danielle, always <laughs> ignored. It's it's a running gag on the show that no one ever pays attention to her, and so she finally decides to try dressing up as Angela.
3: That's what I figured. The little sister complex.
1: I uh, I'm al- always happy to be defeated by
2: Megan Mullally. <laughs> <laughs> Megan did great on that quiz, so let's cut Nick a break and give you a chance to answer a bonus question. While we're on the subject of the My So-Called Life Halloween episode, Danielle was not the only character who dressed up like someone else on the show that day. Who did Ricky dress up as? Was it A. Jordan Catalano, B. Brian Krakow, or C. Rayanne Graf? Think you know the answer? Let's see if you're right with help from my Google Assistant. Hey Google, on My So-Called Life, who did Ricky dress up as for Halloween?
3: On the website ThisWasTV.com, they say, following the theme of being someone you're not, two characters dress as people in their lives. Danielle does an amazing Angela with red hair, plaid shirt, and awkward body hugging, while Ricky plays normal and dresses as Brian.
2: You heard it. Ricky wanted to try seeming normal for the day, so he dressed as the most normal, boring person he knew, Brian. Thanks, Google. And now, back to our show. All right, so guys, was this a good way to experience the show?
3: I love that. It was, so, it was really fun. Yeah, I loved it. It was really but fun. It kind of makes me wish I'd watched it the first time around. But yeah, it, it was really, it, since I didn't, this is the next
2: best thing, absolutely. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a great uh, reader's digest version.
2: Well, sometimes we've had guests who say, all right, well, I, I feel like I got my fill from this. And some of them have said, I'm going to go back and watch more. Sophia Bush, we watched Parks and Rec. And as soon as we finish the finale, she's like, all right, I know what I'm doing for the rest of my Friday. Uh, oh, nice. So, like, do you like? could you guys see yourselves going back and watching more? Or do you think you, you've had the My So-Called Life experience already?
3: Well, I kind of feel like I would because it seems good. But then I also sort of feel like my TV list is as long as my leg. So I probably won't in, in reality. But, I mean, it seems really good, you know.
1: The desire is there, but... Uh, You know, I'm hearing about people, especially uh, during the quarantine, doing rewatches of series like The Sopranos or or Six Feet Under. And while that sounds wonderful, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast there's too there's so much good stuff we we can't even see all the new good stuff i mean Mm -hmm. i remember i was reading you one time doing like a a year-end wrap-up and you said uh i get paid to watch tv full-time and there's no way i can remotely watch all the good shows yeah Then when it comes to like awards and things like that, even the critics are saying no one can possibly watch all of this. So here's our best guess.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And, you know, one of the very few silver linings of all of this is I'm going to have a little bit more time to catch up on stuff, but it's, there's so much TV right now. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, this was fantastic. Was I so really fun. appreciate it. It was
3: so it. fun. I'm a big fan of yours, and so is Nick. Thanks for having us on. It's
2: it's my absolute pleasure. For those of you at home, thank you for tuning in to Rolling Stone and OBB Sounds Too Long Didn't Watch, presented by Google Assistant. I'm Alan Seppenwald. Until next time, I just like how you're always leaning against stuff. <laughs> Duh, squared.
3: <laughs> Was
2: so fun thank you thanks again for listening if you enjoyed the foolishness you just heard we'd like to ask you to do the same things that all podcasts ask you for please like subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform and please spread the word to anyone else you know who might enjoy it too this has been obb sound and rolling stones too long didn't watch brought to you by google assistant and hosted by me alan seppenwall Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, and Alyssa Walker of OBB Sound, a division of OBB Media, and Gus Winter of Rolling Stone. Co-executive produced by Arlen Konopaki and Grace Delia of OBB Sound, and Bridget Shelsey and Maria Fontura of Rolling Stone. The production was engineered by Evan Menick and Daniel Wanacott, edited, mixed, and mastered by Michael Capuano, sound designed by Michael Capuano, original music by Daniel Wanacott, Production assistants were Jennifer Spotts and Raquel Dominguez.